we are uh, thrilled to be joined by uh, Brendan Halibush, uh, who is joining us, if I'm not mistaken, from Portland. That's right. Here in Portland, okay. what the Oregon, heck? not Maine. Yes, yes. Um, no, so Brendan is somebody that I grew up with since elementary school. And yeah, Craig kids. Yeah, Craig kids are the best. Um, eh. No, we are. I. It's an interesting pick of people that went yeah. there. And then, uh, anyways, um, glad to be joined uh, with him. And then Allie met him in middle school and high school. Anyways, so um, Allie, you wanted to jump in and say something here. Why are you in Portland? What are you doing? What What have you been up to yeah, so, well, the last so 10 years? You went, yeah. I, yeah, so since you last saw Allie eight years ago, what have you done since then? Was it eight? <laughs> well, we were 10, in like Psych 1000 and we sat next to each other <laughs> and you'd always give Didn't me shit because I would just sleep through it. And then come It was time, 8 a.m., right? Eight or nine. I don't know. They always like yeah. give me freshmen like the 9 a.m. courses. I don't really know why. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then actually I had the distinct memory, which is really awful because we were studying for one of the uh, tests that was like, I don't know, midterms or something like that. We got off topic. We were talking about your now fiance and or husband. Oh my God. And I was what? Like, the conversation I remember was like, you should be a little cautious. Maybe not just dive right into this one. And uh, <laughs> I was like so off the mark because now you're like in a long relationship. Are you serious? No, I mean, 100%. Well, uh, wait, what? Why would that conversation come up? Because we were talking about a previous person that I was dating probably. And it. I don't know. It was psych. So I don't want to talk about like psychological that, things. So like it, relationships come up and like we were just, I think. Oh my. Yeah. We were so we deep were as freshmen. Oh, I know. But <laughs> so, glad I was wrong. So you yes. have a good memory. So you both went to Mizzou and what did you study while you were there? I studied. And why? Yeah. Um, I studied civil and environmental engineering. Okay. And. As a GPA boost, I did a minor in geography, which is not like states and capitals. It's like more materials and GIS and I don't know, more like what historical. Is, whatever that means. Yeah. What's GIS? It's a global... Uh, I can't remember anymore. Essentially, you're taking satellite data <laughs> <Yeah>. and you <laughs> like break it down. Um, oh, that's cool. And like there's a lot of like good programs out there to like help you like make maps for like conservation or like if you're going to put a new you know, flight map or air airport or anything infrastructure, like you really need to do a lot of analysis on like what kind of piece of land and what is, yeah. okay. what infrastructure is there. Um, but that's not what I focused on. I mainly focused on sustainability, um, particularly environmental sustainability. And I did engineering because I didn't want to close any doors. Some degrees are like worth more than others. And so like, if you get an environmental science degree, people don't take you seriously as an environmental engineer. So the job market yeah. kind of funnels down. But uh, I now no longer use my degree. I use the, all the research I've used during my mm -hmm. degree because I kind of like ad hoc a sustainability degree at the middle of the country, Mizzou. So mm -hmm. if you can guess, it's like not great. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, really, like it's not it's not worth like much uh the student program is really good at least yeah. it was when i was there um now it looks a little like 
we always had a problem with like whitewashing. So we're always getting diversity in numbers because sustainability mm-hmm. is always a thing. But it seems like some white females are almost really obsessed um, mm-hmm. with sustainability. I don't really know mm-hmm. why. And so mm-hmm. like now when I see the Instagram posts, it's just like clearly tailored to that demographic. And I'm oh. like, oh, oh. no. <laughs> it's been co-opted. Weird. Co-opted. Yeah. I mean, I, I recognize that totally. I just never really acknowledged it, I guess. I totally get what you're saying, though. Yeah. I mean, involvement culture at Mizzou is really, really toxic. And uh, it's pandem- like just very exclusive sometimes. It's what I've kind of noticed. Okay, so what was the what was the next step then? Next, you changed directions. Uh, so I wanted to do sustainability, use research, use the like team building, leadership, all that good stuff, and kind of went out to try to like find my own course in sustainability. And I, what I I got what I thought was my dream job, pretty much right out of college. Mm-hmm. Well, not right out. I guess four months later, and it was doing. Carbon analysis of higher education systems like the University of California and, and like University of Central Florida. And I was working in a small firm that consults to like get that greenhouse gases to zero or at least plan for it. Mm-hmm. And wow. that was fun, but I was going nuts uh, living in my parents' place. Mm-hmm. You know, you just kind of like move home from college and like, I was like, all right, so I have this remote job which doesn't need me to be in the office. And I don't have like a mortgage or a dog or a girlfriend. So why don't I just go and live abroad and work remotely? Mm-hmm. And so uh, I asked my bosses. They were cool with it. They're like, oh, yeah, like we just prefer you stay in the same time zone roughly. Like just don't go to like Vietnam or, you know, mm-hmm. Thailand and have this huge like you work night times, we work day times. Like that's not going to fly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, well, I was thinking Central America, and they're like, great, that'll work. Mm-hmm. So I was going to go live in Colombia. Um, and I really like, I've been to Colombia before. It's a really awesome country, definitely my top three. But one of my friends suggested I go to Belize first. Okay. And there I was, like 2018, beginning, like February. And I was like supposed to be working this dream job. And I got to Belize, and about two weeks into it, I. Decided I didn't want to work that job anymore and not focus on anything. The real story is my laptop dropped into a river. Um, <laughs> so it was like and totally my just, fault. Yeah. You so you're like, I can't, I can't have a job anymore because I dropped my <laughs> Well, I didn't want <laughs> the job. So like. What? What changed? Okay. So how did it go from dream job to never mind? I don't want to do this anymore. Uh, when you start to realize that all sustainability doesn't mean anything and that it's just a tool to make money and probably won't save us. So my whole... Save us from what? The impending climate disaster. Uh, It's a big, like, undercurrent for my fucking life, which I know it's, like, really doomer and, like, you shouldn't, like, carry that with you, but... uh, The climate is impending... Like, it's mm-hmm. not going well, and it's mm-hmm. going to, like, nothing's really going to matter in about 15 years, so. Do you think that when you, your laptop fell into the water, and you <laughs> said, I don't want this job anymore, do you see it as, like, you gave up on it, as if, like, this isn't my problem? Because I think that some people say, I have to put this, they'll dedicate their whole lives to this and say, I'm going to be a sustainability guy, all for the environment, mm-hmm. and then it's like, what did it produce? 
would be a thought or like was it worth it for not just the environment but for yourself mental health all those things yeah um that's a great question uh so there's another caveat to the story is there's this guy who is a ex-professor of arizona state university and he's kind of the captain of like doomerism and like has been very like we're already fucked essentially and I met him and like actually had a conversation with him. And I was like, oh, oh man. you did? Yeah, he wow. was living in Belize because he was like, I'm just going to run away from life and just enjoy my life. And he's got all these friends and they all act like they're already dead in a hospice and shit. It's like really, <laughs> really creepy. They're like 40. And like, I'm like, this is surreal. And so like that kind of weighed on my mind for a bit. But in terms of, I was like, like this is not exactly making me happy anymore because this doesn't seem like it's doing anything. And I know yeah. for a fact it's not doing anything. And we're not going to see the change unless it comes from top down, unfortunately. When you don't have a yeah. top down, like you can't have a ga- grassroots movement solve these fundamental changes when you're talking like uh, when you have a strict timeline. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I hate to say it, but like a lot of other issues, like it doesn't end up like in mass food shortages if you don't solve like equal rights among um, whatever, you know, for a particular country. It's just like those protests and those works are very important, but they're not as like life and death mm-hmm. and like destabilizing. Mm-hmm. Well, it is, but it isn't. It's just like kind of, I got to walk in eggshells here because I am super for all those progressive movements. I'm just like, I get what you're saying, though. It's, um, it's there's a, lot. It's a very heavy focus in one direction when there's a lot of other shit falling mm-hmm. down around us, too, that we also need to be paying attention to. Well, we'll we won't all die, but like organized human <laughs> life <laughs> as we see it probably won't be a thing, but I don't know. Like, also. Oh, what do you mean? Well, so. Well, then- coral reefs die at 1.5 degrees Celsius. That <laughs> happens in seven years. Yeah. So I can't go scuba diving and see the reefs? Well, I should do it now. That's what I'm saying. So why did I go to live in Belize? <laughs> yes. Well, so yeah. you so then drop the laptop and the deal, and yep. then you're in Belize, and then what happens? Then what? Yeah. So this okay. is 2018 So like, I'm point. having a lot of essential issues, and I think for the first time I'm actually like happy, <laughs> and I like, realize that like all this environmental angst and like anxiety and depression is like coming from focusing too much on it. And, so, and like, passion, it comes from passion. passion That's yeah. a good thing to recognize. Yeah, and I also have a passion for travel and whatnot. And so I was like, all right, I, I definitely, I have another goal. And it's not my work goal anymore. Like, this is going to be my own goal. And it's going to be, I want to live abroad in a foreign country for like at least half a year or so. Okay. And that goal came out of like me studying abroad in Spain back in 2015. And I did that for like five months and I absolutely loved it. And so... Yeah, I remember when you did that. That was like what you were one of the first people I actually knew who went and took the leap and did something like that. And I was, I couldn't fathom, wow, he really just did the thing, you know? Well, I also had a lot of help because I had siblings who all studied abroad. So I, yeah. I, get, a, I get a cheat, a hall pass or something, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I did that. And then, so I went to Belize and I was going to go to Colombia. And by that time, um, I had already met like a really good pe- group of people and like, they all wanted me to stay. We were going to like do these projects. I was going to help them out. Uh, and the people who I was associated with were all associated with these two sets of hostels that were family run. And they're like, you should hang around and help us out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, okay. Well, as soon as I didn't get on the plane to go to Columbia, I went to the airport and I like, couldn't find my passport for like a minute or two. And I was like freaking out. 
And I already left some stuff in Belize because I knew it was coming back. And I was like, this is not my goal anymore. Like, this seems like a vacation oh. from a vacation. This seems like I'm doing oh, wow. this for a different reason. Mm-hmm. And so I just found my password and I was like, ah, fuck. Now I got to like actually make this decision rather than like rationalize my way out of it. Oh, oh, right. And then I was like, ah, fuck it. I'm not going to go. And so I'm like, I, Columbia can wait. So I just got in a text and went back to where I was staying. And wow. Were they like, what are you doing? <laughs> they were shocked. Um, and pretty much after that, the guy who was running the hostel, he was a 20, let's see, I was 22 at the time. He was 20. Uh, Belizean guy and he's like are you gonna like hang around here for a bit and I'm like are you asking me to leave and he goes no I'm asking you to stay and run the hostel so I was like and I was like well I guess I could I gotta have no problem with that like you're giving me free stay I'm helping pretty amazing opportunity I got really invested into Belize I did a bunch of crazy shit and then uh, one day I was on this road and I flipped a car and nearly fucking died and um I actually had to pull off a car off like my best friend at the time who was being crushed by the car. And he never pulled a car off of your friend? Me and two other girls. One guy oh my and a girl. But you know gosh. like uh you know those stories like, oh like mother lifts car to save baby. Yes, yeah. Like, it was one of those moments. And like literally the most scary part is like the guy's like, You need to get this car off of me, I'm literally fucking dying. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, and so I'm standing in the car and I used like the handle and I went to like a full like squat. And I just like ripped out everything from like Parkway North's like weight room. <laughs> <laughs> and I like made sure I had the best form to use my skeleton. They say that in rock climbers, like you use your skeleton, not your muscles. And what I got heck? it like just barely enough to like be able to pull them out. And then we had to like... Oh. Had to wait like three hours for a fucking ambulance because we're in bumfuck nowhere with no service. And like I had to solve that problem. And then we had to fucking get on a puddle jumper plane to fly into Belize City. And then, ugh, God. Um, I came home and then I, I went to like a massive like depression and whatever with my parents again. I Understandable. Worked, worked an industry job and for like eight months. And I said, fuck it, back to Belize. So I went back to Belize. Okay. And I did some of the same things, but this time I ran the hostel on the island of Belize. Um, Belize is kind of has a, gen, uh, a identity crisis where like half of it's Latin America, other half is like Creole Islanders. Mm-hmm. And okay. so Key Cocker is where I ran that hostel. And um, beautiful place, like the island, you can see side to side um, if you're like four stories up and maybe a 1, thousand, 1200 people with a bunch of tourists. Okay, uh, and so at this point, for all of our listeners, I do want to say that as a trigger warning, we're going to get into a story which is uh, quite graphic. And so for those who uh, have you know very sensitive ears, uh, we do want to just warn you there. Uh, in addition, we've added another friend of ours, Joey Saltzman, uh, who was you know kind of brought this you know story of Brendan to our attention. Um, and just kind of you know showed us this posting that he's going to talk about on Instagram. And so she's. Uh, added here as a listener um and so say hi joe hi hi joe hello hi so my best friend in the quarantine is the perpetrator in this story and so like it's really strange it's like imagine like you picking a roommate almost and then having that roommate come and try to kill you um Mm -hmm. so 
literally, literally try to murder you. Yeah. And I'll get into the details of that, but like this guy is um, Belizean. His mom lives like five minutes walking from where I live. And so oftentimes he would just sleep in the hostel because he had all these beds and like we would drink and like, mm-hmm. there's nothing to do in COVID. So, you know, we're like shooting the shit and making, yeah. making dinners together and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I also was like kind of subsidizing his life because I could afford it. And like, it wasn't really that much to like make more food and drink mm-hmm. more, you know, it's like just one person. And okay. I didn't really And see- he's your friend. He's a friend. Like, yeah, I would do like, I would do that for anyone. And I kind of was for some other people at times and parties and stuff like that. And so he was starting to act very strange for like a couple weeks. And I don't know, like I knew he was kind of going through like some depression, like mental things, but I didn't really know the severity of it. And I really kind of brushed off the side because everyone goes through shit and like no big deal. But the last... There was one incident where he looked so fucking crazy. Um, this is like maybe two weeks prior. Like he almost looked like he was like almost possessed or something. It was really strange. Like you could tell in his face his or his eyes, actions. His body language was kind of strange. Um, just kind of like not himself. Like he's usually just a chill guy who just like watches music videos on like the computer all day because what else are you going to do? Um, and... He just wasn't acting himself, and, like, everyone in the hostel at the time kind of, like, knew it. We kind of had people coming in and out of the hostel, just at our friends and whatnot. Uh, but, so, and then, like, the, la- like the leading up to it, I decided that I'm going to rebrand the hostel, or at least, like, it's something that, like, me and, like, the other co-owner uh, wanted to do, the other woman that was running the other hostel. It's like, we're going to clean up the space, we're going to remodify it so to cater from work-from-home people. So, like, we can just charge monthly rates and have, like, a steady, just a few people there to there rather than a revolving door of a COVID hotspot. Um, so that was the idea. So we're, like, cleaning the hostel. And, like, I was living with this Canadian guy named Steve. And Steve is one of the biggest handfuls I've ever met. Um, he's 26-year-old. And I asked him to leave. And I also asked this Rastafarian guy who was living with us for, like, a month to leave. And just to, like, clean up. like could do a deep clean. And I had also... Previously to that, I'd asked this guy to leave. I'm like, you're like acting so weird. I don't know what's going on with you. He was like playing. How did you act, how did you actually say it? You said like, hey, I don't know what's going on, but. I said, go. yeah, I don't really know what's going on with you, but like the neighbors have called and complained because they did. Like he was like trespassing on their property and like threatening. Like, he, like you can get onto the, our neighbor's roof from our hostel. And like he oh. did that a few times was like threatening them. And there was, like, this long history because, like, it's a small-town bullshit. I don't really know what to deal with this, that. The neighbor actually called my boss, and then I was like, you need to go fucking sort this shit out. And I did, and she, like, gave me this laundry list. She's like, I don't call the cops on noise, which you guys are way too noisy, which my bad. Um, <laughs> but I usually keep it down. And then, like, she's like, but this guy is, like, bad news. Like, get him out of here. Like, I call the cops because he's trespassing. And I never personally talked to the cops, like, I often work with like headphones in or like sometimes I just don't hit the door and like he would talk to the cops. So like at this point I'm a little blinded with what is being told to the cops. Yeah. And so I am like, hey man, I don't know what's going on, but like 
you're telling me one thing and then the neighbors are telling me something like you need to take a break from hustle why don't you just go home but i need you to like stay away for like a while i didn't give him a length of time or whatever and he's he's just like kind of didn't say much and was just like okay but like was not as like chummy like he's always you know was he living he come, with his mom five minutes away or did he have no he was place? living he was living with me like he was living in the hostel but when you kicked him out where did he go he went back to his mom's okay and so like um okay and so the next day he came back to apologize and then like two days later um we were, uh, I, one of his good friends, one of my good friends is his cousin. His cousin was like, yeah, he asked so-and-so for a knife or like machete, but then like, was like asking for like weapons to like hurt someone, but I don't know why he just didn't go get one. He I don't know. asked for people for weapons. Yeah. And so I thought he was at most at risk for killing himself. I yeah. never thought I was in any danger. Yeah. And... Um, this is, so one, the next, one of the days he came to apologize. I'm like, thanks for your apology, but you still can't just like live here. Like, I know you don't want to live with your mm-hmm. parents and like money's tight, but like, this is a behavior problem that I can't manage. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. Good for you, first of all. <laughs> yeah. And then I just kicked those other two dudes out and they're like pretty fit guys. And so it was just me and Genevieve. And then I was, um, I had two German girls and then. The perpetrator's cousin, but everyone was gone at the hostel at the day of the time, and so he knows who's in the hostel. Like he just, mm-hmm. it's in a small town. Like he knows. So he was yeah. aware that it wasn't just him being kicked out; it was numerous people. Yeah, he was aware, but I think he took it more personally. I also think that he thought that I thought he was bad for business, which I had never mm-hmm. said, and I actually wanted to keep him around because I don't like to whitewash things. You know, I'd rather yeah. employ Belizeans and, like, whatever. Like, I don't know. Maybe that was an idea that he got. I think it. the main reasons are, like, I'm kind of ruining his lifestyle, which didn't really make... It doesn't make sense to me because, like, this isn't a sustainable lifestyle in terms of, like, financial income when there's mm-hmm. no tourists around. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I honestly think, like, it might have been drug-induced. Um, so, like, a psychiatric break... Um, due to something laced with something, but he's not, he only smokes weed really, but it seems one of my, one of the guys I kicked out, we talked to him later, he goes, this sounds like, um, schizophrenia, like my uncle and my, uh, my other, like two of my uncles have it and it sounds exactly like it. Hmm. And when you look at the camera footage of like him coming into the hostel, like it is not his <gasps> body. There's like, camera footage. Mm. Of everything, of before and after, but not like... Okay, so here's, yeah. here, here's, wow. the, here's the rundown. Okay. It's um, the night before, got pretty sloshed, um, and good night, me and his cousin and Genevieve had a good night. So we're sleeping in because, you know, that's what you do when you drink a lot, when I do. And so it's like 11 and like... Um, Two people had already come in and out of the hostel because the house cleaner was coming and she left. And then uh, the cousin left to go to one of the cities with run some errands with his mom. And so the two German girls were already out and about. At this point, um, the girls, the house cleaner, and um, the cousin have keys. But he does not have keys. But the door is already unlocked. So also 
you can get in without a key. Like he knows how to do that. So like it's a little inevitable. Um, mm -hmm. Also, again, did not think I was in harm. So he comes in the hostel and like asks to me to come outside my room. And um, he usually bums cigarettes off me. So like he's like, came in and I'm just like, can I get a cigarette? I'm like, dude, did you really wake me up to like bomb a cigarette? And he goes, yeah, man, just really stressed out. And like, I'm like just waking up. I'm just like registering like what, I'm like, okay, like this, this is like not a new thing. This has happened in the past, but he never, never woke me up for it. And so I turn my back and I start walking into my room. And so, um, uh, he like enters the room and like just like a wave of like, like just ammunition, just like enter the room. And I was like, some like why he's never come to my room. He's come to my room like once, mm -hmm. and I'm like oh, like something's wrong. And immediately I'm put into a headlock, and then he has one of our kitchen knives, and he is trying to like literally just like kind of like one of these. Uh, Sorry, I only described that because I just did that in video for all the listeners. Um, put my head in the headlock, and then he's using his other hand to make a stabbing gesture towards my chest. And so my, like, luckily cat instincts um, or something, I'm not really sure you want to call it spidey senses, but I grabbed his wrist um, instead of, like, the knife. And then about... Uh, I don't even know how to, like, describe it besides just... a the craziest five to seven minutes of my fucking life of where like that's a long time yeah i didn't expect that yeah and so like i don't know if you ever like i grew up with brothers and so like when we would wrestle like and shit like that like it's there's never a threat of like dire urgency to like win or to like mm -hmm. do well mm -hmm. and this is like oh i have to like literally put in everything I got, because this is, like, not going to end until one of us is dead. It's kind of what I was thinking. Or at least, like, stay alive long enough so someone else can intervene. But, so, also, meanwhile, Genevieve is in bed, um, and so she, like, got, like, a third-person view of it all. And so she tries to, like, break up me versus him kind of thing. But we're, like, on the ground, like... Um, one of the things that you guys can't see, like on my face right now, like there's a huge cut of like a knife and you can get, goes like over my eye and then over here. And then you can kind of see, I have like cuts around my neck. Like he was kind of like trying to saw my fucking neck off mm -hmm. or head off, I guess. And then, um, so he still had possession of the knife that whole time while you were like rolling on the ground. Not the whole time, and I'm not exactly sure how long, but he definitely was really bad at killing someone because, <laughs> like, <laughs> you should just, like, stab someone with a goddamn jugular. Um, and, like, it's really... Um, like, he's using the knife for probably a half of it, and then I think I ripped the knife out of his hand, so which is all four of my tendons were cut in my hand because I grabbed the blade. Oh, and, yeah, and so my, which, look how good my hand's doing. Um, You're doing it. Uh, yeah, you would never know. Well, you would if you had my hand. Um, but, like, the, so I think I ripped the knife out of his hand, and I think it slid under the mattress, and the mattress doesn't have, like, a lot of room. So then he started to, like, literally 
like beat my face a couple of times and then used, I had a couple of beer bottles because I hadn't recycled them yet. And like he took a couple of the bottles and bashed them in my head and like broke that and stabbed my neck. And so like this whole thing, like I'm losing a lot of blood, um, like a lot. And um, I, I'm like Genevieve screaming like bloody murdered, like asking anyone's help and like there's no glass in police. And so like someone's hearing it. And so the last thing- What do you, is it just like windows? Is everything open? Like what do you mean there's uh, no glass? Yeah, just windows. And so, like, um, iron bars on the street side and then just, like, okay. glass panes that you can, like, twist and they, like, come okay. together to keep rain out, but their primary yeah. function is for rain, not okay. uh, AC. There's no AC or shit. So, like, um, I'm... And so I also have a machete in my room, which I hadn't sharpened for a couple months. But you, to sharpen machete, you have to take a stone or you have to take a, a grinder. And I don't know if that would have helped or not because I, um, this is kind of a point of like pain for Genevieve. So I asked Genevieve to kill him with the machete and like she couldn't do it. And so like, I don't really blame her for that. Cause I think if she didn't get a clear shot with a good enough blade, then like he didn't go down, then she's in fucking trouble. And she's like, not as big mm -hmm. as me and not that I'm very big, but this guy is 200 pounds and about six foot one, two, yeah. and I'm 140 and I weigh five, or I'm 5'8", 140 about. Mm -hmm. um, and so my last like, like the last of like how it all ended is like, uh, I'm like losing strength and blood at the same time. So I'm like, this can't go on very longer. And he starts to try to choke me out. And so like, I'm like choking on blood and choking because I don't have any air, but like still since Genevieve's there, she's like, able to push him enough to like, I can get a breath and like survive to the next minute. And then he just decides to um, like get up and leave. And like the whole time I'm like trying, to, like you, I don't really have a good shot on it. And so like, you're doing a lot of like, a lot of flailing and then like then I started using like a verbal strategy and like like what are you doing like I love you you're my friend stop this really and yeah. I thought that would really snap him out it really didn't so he like basically looks like I don't know like he knows I'm not dead but I think he knows he's out of time and he runs out of the building and Genevieve locks our bedroom it's door after what's that go for it was, oh, he's drenched. He, I was going to say, is he like, and he just leaves. Yeah. And he oh goes to the gosh. neighbor's house and asks them to come outside. And then they're like, get the fuck out of here, dude. What the hell? Also, like, everyone on the fucking block could hear what the hell had just <laughs> happened. And he walks his ass through town to the police station mm -hmm. and says, I had to stop this guy from raping his girlfriend. Wow. Okay. And so what happened to me was like, I sat up or I was kind of like, I think maybe sitting up or maybe I got sat up and like, I don't lose consciousness this whole time. The first thing I said was, well, that was fucking stupid. Um, <laughs> and then the next thing I said, I'm not going to die because Genevieve's flipping the fuck out, which I didn't know. I was just like, I'm just not going to die. I'm not, like, I'm not, this is a dumb way to die. Ain't happening. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And so, and I'm like, she's flipping and she's like, what do I do? And I'm like, since I've already been in this trauma situation from the car accident, I'm just like, okay. Right. Uh, passports, money, credit cards, health insurance card, all of that. Uh, give me my phone. I'll try to call some people. Which I can't fucking use the phone because my hands are too bloody and my fingers aren't working. So. And there's not like a 911 situation. Well, there no. is, but like my phone wasn't even fucking working. I don't know what the deal was. And so like... Ugh. Okay, so this dude yells into my like street side window. It's his ground level. And he's like, good morning, good morning. Like, are you guys okay? What 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 is happening? And Genevieve's like, get your ass in here. Like this... So the guy comes in the room, sees like... The floor is covered in blood and like just blood, literally everything we owned at one point. Mm-hmm. Like, and and so he essentially like sees what the fuck's going on. He's like, I'm gonna get my car, and so he runs, gets his car, and he like essentially helps picks me up and like puts me into the car, and then Genevieve's scrambling to find the passports and shit, and like uh, we eventually get in the car, and she said that the whole neighborhood was like outside and like. Mm-hmm. And this guy like knows enough people. He's just driving on the other side of the like road to like get me to a. Do hospital. you know this guy? Never met him. I don't even know what he looks like. Like to this day, I don't know what he looks like. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so there's only one bed in the trauma center, and so luckily it was free. Wow. Like not occupied, and they just start going to town. But like Genevieve's holding my neck because my neck's like flapping with skin because I'm like bleeding out. Oh my gosh. Yeah, fun fun visual, huh? And um uh like I really thought I was going to like bleed out in that bedroom. Like you kind of come to a point where like these like near death experiences are really interesting. It's like like mm-hmm. you kind of pop culture comes back to your head and you're like, okay, if you lose consciousness every TV show, like that's pretty much you're done, you're not going to come back. Mm-hmm. So main thing is don't lose consciousness. I'm not trained mm-hmm. in like first aid or yeah anything. Um, so I knew that much, and I knew that like just stay with it, stay calm, like it'll be okay. I also know there's this thing called the golden hour, where like your body can sustain like an hour's worth of like any issue for like about an hour. There's like this window okay. of time where like okay. you can survive. I've it. heard that. And so I knew that that was also in my mind, and I was also like. Is this what it's like to like leave the physical body? Like, is this the transformation process? It's like you kind of sit in that window and like my like my vision's kind of going in now, and, and you're like, and I'm just like trying to focus on like like one staying alive, and two like if this is gonna happen this way, like try to have a clear mind and not go into it like mm-hmm. you know a freaked out individual or something. Like, mm-hmm. hold your cool. Because that is a lot of rational thoughts yeah. <laughs> that you remember for being right. in a situation like that. How do you yeah. even fathom? Because that was one of the things I wanted to ask you is, like, what were you thinking? And you know exactly what you were thinking. How were you able to process everything so logically like that? Um. Everything I've ever read and ever heard, every story, it's like, if you freak out, you're dead. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so, like, also, um, 
I also was like, I'm not, like, I just got Genevieve down to Belize. Like, this is going to be a really stupid ending. Like, she's going to move to Belize and, like, have her boyfriend killed and, like, have her witness it. Like, um, I was also thinking that, too. It was like, I You're don't... You're so thoughtful. <laughs> I don't, that's not like a... <laughs> I'm not trying to, like, ego boost myself right now. Uh, I just can't believe you can have those thoughts in yeah. that in that setting. Well, I mean, the only time I wasn't thinking was, like, when I was defending myself. Because, like, there's a couple times I'm, like, I was asking her to give me the machete or I was, like, asking her, like, she kept trying to, like, put the machete in my hand and I couldn't do it because I couldn't, mm. like, like, don't get stabbed again, get a machete, yeah. you know, like, you're always, like, and I, I can't process it. I'm, like, I just can't, so. Uh, but I do think that, like, had Genevieve not been there, I would not be here today because, like, all the screaming and stuff like that. Like, I think I was losing so much blood. I don't know if I would have been able to get out of that room. Mm-hmm. And she was able to push him enough for you to get breaths in, like you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So that. Um, so the fucked part, this story's not even over. Oh, that wasn't the fucked part? Well, okay. that, is, that, that is the fucked part. But the legal system <laughs> and what the cops do are just like outrageous. Oh, God. Um, we get to the hospital, and I'm sitting... I'm getting treated on and I don't know how much time passes. I think like two hours. And Genevieve is, we get there together and they sit her down like just like waiting. And they, the guy who committed the crime was driven to the same hospital without cuffs and they sit her down like three feet next to her for two hours. And the cops go in between her and him asking questions. And so like... The way Belize laws works is like you can hold anyone up for forty eight hours, no crime without cause. Without cause. Okay. After forty eight hours, you have to get a real uh, charge. So, our fucking like forty four, we get these cops coming in, and and we're getting our statements because we're finally like kind of coherent enough. Um, well, like, we're coherent enough, like, as soon as, like, I'm out of surgery, but we're still, like, adrenaline rushing kind of thing. Uh, and essentially, we're going to charge him for attempted murder, assault, trespassing, and wounding. And the only thing that gets filed that day is assault. And if it's attempted murder, there's no bail. And if it's assault, there is a bail. And if attempted murder goes straight to Supreme Court which is going to be on recess because it was December 19th when this happened. So, like, Christmas and all that shit, like, mm-hmm. they go on holiday. And um, and so, uh, let's see. So, yeah, he gets only, like, there's some problem with, like, how the doctor wrote up. Like, the doctor didn't write grievous, like, like uh, fatal wounding. They put grievous wounding. And, like, someone <gasps> pulled some strings that said that that wasn't, like, attempted murder and it was just assault and i'm like look at my fucking neck look mm-hmm. at my goddamn face like this is not assault this is you know just do this um so we get discharged from the hospital and um we i get cleaned up like i, I do like another like sponge bath and like take it start to take a nap and like whatever and like his cousin's there, and, like, he's, like, freaked out, too, because he thought that in the Cambridge footage it looked like he was just going to kill everyone in the hostel a little bit. I don't think that's the case anymore. I think he just wanted to kill me. Um, and then 
he's his mom fucking bails him out of jail and the cops do not call us and so this guy is five minutes from the hostel and he can get in the hostel key or no key and mm-hmm. so his cousin's like we have to move right now i'm sorry to wake you but we have to go and i'm like what do you mean he's like get a bag you need to go like we're gonna go to my aunt's house like not like dip, or my mom's house which is the perpetrator's aunt and then we're gonna figure out a new place but you can't be here it's not safe mm-hmm. so he was like totally on your side yeah his, co- his cousin was on his side because he thought this his cousin went fucking nuts like yeah. he thought the perpetrator was like gonna kill him too and how so, much was the bail i have no idea and so um let's see doing a lot of uhs and ms but it's like kind of hard to like get it all straight uh, <laughs> uh, seriously take your time <laughs> so let's see so we go to his mom's house and i'm like calling people to like take me to belize city i'm like trying to get the fuck out of the city i'm like take me to belize city mm-hmm. and the guy's like i would love to drive you he's like per- i connect from like just transporting tourists around private shuttles are a big thing right and so he's like i would love to transport you but um like there's a curfew and like they just put a new mask curfew on and so like no one's allowed to be outside after 8 p.m and he's like i can't drive you there so we had to like go to a hotel with like security that night in the city and then i'm like trying to do like okay so if this guy knows like where i go in belize and belize isn't very small like where am i safe and i like like rattling off all these ideas and plans and Genevieve's just like, we got to get the fuck out of here. And I'm like, no, my home. I don't want to go back to Missouri. Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> no, I'm like, 100%. Like, the doctor said only one tendon was cut and that, like, there's a specialist here. And I'm like, yeah. not thinking correctly, but also, like, Belize is more my home than, like, any other place I would, except for, like, maybe Columbia, Missouri, but that doesn't exist anymore because college is over. Um, <laughs> and so... Uh, yeah, we just didn't tell anyone, and we just bought plane tickets, and we just fucked off. And you showed Did you up. tell your parents? Did My, you... Yeah, well, I couldn't even buy the fucking plane tickets, because, of, like, there's... The credit card always wants to text you sometimes, and, like, you don't get text to your fucking phone if your phone's turned off, or, like, you drop your phone in salt water like I did. Um, mm-hmm. So, you They know, had to buy they it. They had to buy it. And we got on a plane... And uh, showed up, and the next day, like that day, my brother-in-law, who's a lawyer, um, he's like taking pictures of my injuries and sending them to his like doctor friends, and they're like, "You need to get that hand checked out." And at that point, like I noticed my hands like not moving, like it's just mm-hmm. kind of like doing, it's not even moving, it's just like this. And they, I got like a hand surgeon to look at it on Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Fuck it, we just do surgery now." Like. Uh, if you wait too long, it's going to be harder. And like, he's, none of the staff is working that day because it's Christmas Eve. He doesn't even know how this fucking hospital works. He's just like, yeah, go down there and get like a COVID test and I'll meet you down there in like three hours because like, I don't know, like that's how long it takes. And we'll mm-hmm. just sew your hand up. And like, I'm not even on this guy's like insurance or anything like that. Like, it's just like a friend and just kind of worked out like a deal. Wow. And so he fixed all four of my fingers. How are you guys doing mental health-wise? Mental health, um, Genevieve still wakes up with nightmares occasionally. 
um, and adrenaline rushes. Uh, sometimes it comes and goes. Sometimes I'm really moody. Um, mm-hmm. We're in the process of getting a therapist um, here in Portland, and so like that's being taken care of. But it's been too slow of a process, and like I think I'm good on certain days, and I think I'm bad on certain days. Like when you have like these near death experiences, you're like, what like. And then you have like almost like a punishment. You have to like pay for the procedure to get fixed, and then you have to like mm-hmm. reset your whole life. So mm-hmm. like, functionally, I was killed that day, and so like I get really upset that my life was stolen from me. And so like, everything feels very bland to me. Um, mm-hmm. And like, what the fuck did I like? Why did I even fight to stay alive? Kind of thing. Um, really, I do feel that sometimes. Uh, I'm just well, like when my deepest moments, you know. Um, and so, like, because I, of all the stuff you have to go through now, is what's that, and like, just a lot of setbacks. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like it's an incident that like has to have like you know a several month recovery period. How was your parents' reaction when you called them? Oh God, fucking nightmare. Um, well, my what did you expect? How do you even like, react that's... like that? What do you react to? Well, it's just like, I, you know, I first waited three days um, because I didn't, I told them right away with the car accident and that didn't work at all. And so I kind of had a trial run. And so like, I waited three days because like, I A, didn't want to have to tell them. And then like B, I knew they were going to flip out and I knew there was nothing they could do. So like, mm-hmm. yeah. that's true. Uh and I, I really had amazing support um, when I was in Belize. Like, my friends, like, really did a lot of things for me during that time. So, like, I really had a good support network. Um, way more functional than my parents would ever be in Belize. Um, but my mom, like, they were, like, having beers. And I'm like, I'm like, you guys need to go somewhere where you're not doing that. And I'm like, so... I was attacked with a knife. Oh, my gosh. Like, you need to sit down. I'm going to tell you something. Yeah. And, like, my mom starts crying. She's like, how bad is it? Send us a picture. And I'm like, what's not? I will show you in a week, maybe 10 days. Because, like, at this point, I have a huge black eye. My my eyes, like, was swollen shut for two days. Yeah. And, like, like I look really gnarly. Um, Did you tell her that? Yeah, I'm like, I don't really look the best right now. I don't think it's going to look like this later. I just think that right now it would be a little hard to stomach. Okay. And so I didn't show them any pictures, um, but I was home like five days later. So, Given all that you have gone through, Mm -hmm. what do you most look forward to? What are you most looking forward to? So... I don't think, one of the problems answering this question to me is a lot of people don't know the life that I was living. So I'm working like part time in a foreign country where all the food, the scenery, like, uh, and so I would just prefer to like get back to like not working so hard because you just take an American salary and live abroad with it and like be able to afford everything that you want while saving a little bit and then like drinking beers that's on the beach somewhere or whatever. You know, that sounds like a nice point to end on. That's what you're looking that's yeah. what you're looking for. Just like having back my freedom. With your attitude, you will get there. Yeah, with like, you know, you the freedom that like, and the freedom to like kinda of do whatever I want and like enjoy life's yeah. many virtues before the earth goes down the drain. 
Okay, okay but take Genevieve well, with you, though. <laughs> yes, take Genevieve with you. Oh, of course. And well, Yes, but Brendan, thank you very, very much uh, for talking with us today. Of this course. has been very informative, and um, you know, I, I really appreciate you going so in-depth and uh, being so raw uh, and to talk with all of us and the listeners. Yeah, so, of course. And uh, Thank you. Of course, and thanks for making the show. I mean, it's been fun to be on here. That's so crazy. I really don't know what to say. I'm I've never meant it more when I say I'm at a complete loss for words. I mean, well, let's 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 backtrack a little bit. Uh, He's a really really interesting guy, and he's so smart. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's like brilliant and so thoughtful and um, all of his background of what he's done, uh, I think is really interesting. And just his outlook on, you know, the environment and all of that is really interesting. And just yeah. his perspective on uh, life. And then to, to and then, you know, bookend that with this most recent experience, it's just, uh, I, mean, I don't I don't think. There's not a lot of other people on this planet who would be able to come out of that. Right. Okay. Well, you also, you don't know what you would do in those situations. No, I mean, but I know of... that's not what I would do. <laughs> I just, I can't believe Yeah. how thought through every, like he remembers everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This, this, uh, certainly, you know, what you could hear in his voice in his story is there was this will to live and need to continue to push through i love it that is heavy heavy for a nighttime recording uh Isn't that crazy yeah it's crazy all right allison i think with that that's gonna uh close us out uh, but let me first thank um mad keys for our music uh, joseph caserta with our artwork and Brendan Hallibush as our uh, really uh, interesting guest, and then our little pop-in host, Joey Saltzman, and last but certainly not least, uh, Allison Ladd, who's putting this whole deal together. Um, So Allison, with that, be kind, be well, and make the most of each day.